The lies, the deceit, the betrayal, a fan base at war, a locker room divided. Stay tuned as we uncover the new happenings from the bold and the crab cake. Everybody, welcome back to the Purple Friday podcast for Live from the Hammock. Um, I'm joined by Travis today. Maybe uh, maybe Trey will get on. I know he's dealing with that in that, that Jersey traffic, you know, coming back. I think, he's, I think he's still working in Philly, coming from Jersey. So that's, uh, I think they said DC is like, DC, the DMV traffic is like the third or second worst in the nation next to like yep. California. And then I think, I'm pretty sure New York traffic is up there in the top five. So, yeah, yeah it, it, it can be a whole whole mess. So, yeah. Um, anyway, it's been a little little while since we talked, and um, obviously some things have happened <laughs> for the Ravens. Um, the Ravens signed Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, to a one-year, what was it, eighteen million dollar contract? Um, clearly, they overpaid for him, but that's. The mark if you want to get a, a top receiver in free agency, a lot of times you're going to, have to overpay. Um, but what I what I will say is I'm tired. I, I think I, I think some of these fans and then some of the pundits and stuff get too wrapped up in the money figures for these players, right? They get so wrapped up on savings and we got to do a team friendly deals and we got to make sure we have enough. We got to work around the cap and all this other stuff. I think. You, if if OBJ brings to what the to this team, what we think he's going to bring to this team, at that point is, is 18 million even enough? You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't care if it was 100 million dollars. If he if he brings that elite level wide receiver talent that we've been craving for for the last 20 some plus years, if he brings that kind of talent here to this season, and we see, I mean, night and day difference in this all this passing offense. Then he's clearly, if anything, the Ravens got it for cheap, <laughs> you know, compared to you know what other receivers are making in this in the league right now. So um, now, from what I did hear, uh, a lot of people are still you know concerned about OBJ's ACL, and uh, they did have a doctor on and said what happened was is that he actually played. He got like he didn't get it fully the initial initial ACL tear didn't get it fully repaired. So he played, it was the same tendon tear. It wasn't like he healed it and then came back and played on it again. So apparently it was already slightly torn. He's discontinued to play on it. And then yeah. obviously tore in the Super Bowl. So the doctor said there's no more significant damage that has been done to the ACL. But now that he's been out for a whole year, he's actually rehabbed the knee. Um, he should be good to go. Now, I mean, I'm pretty sure the Ravens did a physical and you, and you, you know, the Ravens are notorious for their physicals, <laughs> notorious. I, I feel like the Ravens have one of the more stringent physicals of any team in the NFL. I mean, I, it was it not a fail at one year. In like yep, he came back, a, I think from training camp, <laughs> uh, think and he failed to. Yeah, and then he like, well, he'll pass it in two days or whatever, and then he passed it two days later. But they they have like the more of the most stringent physical. So I think that, uh, and look, knowing the injury history of this team the last three years. I'm pretty sure that's on everybody's mind. Is he going to be healthy? 
Um, but I assume that the work he's been putting in, and then of course that you know his the day he had, um, I think it was in California, LA, um, where the team kind of saw him. Obviously liked what he saw. I mean, the lowest offer he think he had was a four million dollars allegedly, and so the Ravens came in at eighteen. But um, I just wanted to ask you: Do you think you know he he came out and said in the press conference that he didn't get any assurances from Lamar that he was going to be there. But do you think that that was more of a PR move and that I know the money, look, it's kind of hard not to, if, if you're looking for that kind of money, it's kind of hard to say no to $18 million guaranteed <laughs> that season coming off a significant knee injury. Um, but do you think a part of that too was, you know, I'm not just going to come here for the money, like I still want to win. Do you think maybe behind the scenes Odell knows that Lamar's going to be here come you know, come September. See, I think recently I felt that, you know, the rumors right a couple weeks ago are true. Um, that Lamar told the Ravens, get me Odell and Hopkins and then we can talk. Mm-hmm. And I say that because, like, you know, right after Odell was signed, we saw that rumor jump about. Um, and it makes sense. I'm tired of not having weapons. I think, you know, Odell has had conversations with Lamar. They FaceTime. They went to the club. Spent ample time together. Mm-hmm. So I know the conversation came up. And, I, and, and you know, if Lamar recruited Odell, then there's definitely assurances Lamar is going to come back. We could be looking at this is just kind of like hardball from Lamar. Like, give me the weapon, the contract, and maybe I'll give in if you all give me the weapons I need. Um, so I think this is for the Ravens side I think it's appeasing Lamar Odell side it's like let me get this money opportunities because I mean who do we have except for Bateman and who knows how much permanent damage Steve uh, made on Bateman's Bateman's uh, leg or whatever it is um so there's opportunity for to come here and own a lot of catches. So I think I think that's what it looks like on both sides. I think Odell, you know, there's money, there's opportunity. MVP quarterback um, is going to raise his spotlight and his banner up again to be that superstar again. And so that and that's the other aspect of this, right? You know, as much as uh, somebody brought up a good point, I think it was uh, one of the guys, Cordell from uh, 105.7, brought up a good point. Um, no, no, it wasn't Cordell. It was Tory Smith. Tory Smith um, on WJZ. Um, he brought up a good point about like Lamar's impact too, right? And um, in the city, and you know, it's it's weird. Like he said, you know, Lamar has a bigger footprint in the city. Um, he felt like impact than you know. He was very controversial because you know in Baltimore, you know, he's like bigger impact than Jim Palmer and Cal Ripken and Ray Lewis and. You know, a lot of people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's saying Johnny Unitas. And, but I thought about it and they thought about it, re- and, you know, really thought about it. Like, you know, it's, we haven't had, we really haven't seen that since probably since Ray Lewis. Like, Ray Lewis, what they call him, he was a call him the crime stopper because they said crime was stopping Baltimore on Sundays or whenever the Ravens were playing. Like, if the Ravens were playing, no one, everybody was sitting there watching Ray Lewis and everything. But they said Lamar, like, the fact that you see him, you know, down at Lexington Market, down in the city, he goes to the schools, like, he, hangs out with the kids and stuff like that. Like he has clearly an impact. And not, and not just outside of, and outside of Baltimore, like as big as Ray Lewis was to us, 
we all know when Ray Lewis went outside of Baltimore, like no one liked him. You know, no one was really rocking Ray Lewis jerseys and everybody was calling him a murderer and all this other stuff. But you see kids walking around with, I mean, outside of Maryland with Lamar Jackson jerseys on. You know, you yep. got people playing with the Ravens on Madden. Even when we had Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, like unless you were a football nerd, you know, you people didn't didn't play with the Ravens, but people were playing the Ravens because of Lamar. So, but now you're adding Odell, who brings another like star power to the Ravens, right? It's not like when they got uh, Anquan Bolden and when they got uh, Derek Mason and Steve Smith, like guys who were towards the end of their careers. Like Odell's still, you know, I think he's what twenty nine years old uh, I don't, yep. he's 30 yeah he's um, about to turn 30 about to turn 30 um but he still think has a few years left i mean we saw in that super bowl game if he doesn't tear his acl in that game he's probably the mvp like he was yeah. he was cooking in that game um and he brings another star power he's been on he's been on tv he's been in movies he's been in commercials he brings a whole other star element now to the ravens that they haven't had in a while so you got the personalities and the star power of Lamar Jackson and Odell coming into Baltimore could, you know, look what Bashadi was looking for is possibly, you know, getting getting back to, you know, the the uh, the primetime games because you know the 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 probably um, idea of losing those games. The, the I, I guess the the percentage of losing those games if Lamar wasn't going to be there was quite high. That when that schedule comes out and the Ravens only get that, you know, that Thursday night game and that one Monday night game was a real possibility, you know, uh, if Lamar's not here. But now with Odell and possibly Lamar coming in tow, you know, you're looking at the primetime game. Especially you think about Odell gets to play in a very, very um, visible AFC North. I mean, the yeah. Bengals and Steelers, Bengals and Ravens. Ravens and Steelers, like people are going to watch that, and then even the Browns are, you know, with Deshaun Watson removed, you know, having another year with the Browns under his belt. Um, that AFC North is going to be tight. The AFC North is yeah. going to be tight this year, and it'll be very, very visible. So, uh, I'm pretty sure Odell, you know, look, Odell likes his brand. I'm pretty sure that's, he has to make sure he maximizes that as well. Um, so, I really like that option. Now, he brought up DeAndre Hopkins. It looks like that the Cardinals don't have a suitor. They wanted, I think, didn't they? I think they said they wanted a first rounder for him or something like that. And teams yeah. were like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> we're definitely not doing it. Um, but it looks like he's going to get released. Now, whether he gets released uh, pre-June 1 or post-June 1, I think it is going to depend on like the cap savings that um, the, the Cardinals are going to receive. But at that point, he'll be a free agent teams would have I would assume I don't think anything's going to get done on draft night um, mm-hmm. so teams that have gone through the draft and um, you know as of right now you know I will say based on how they, some of these pundits are talking about the draft it doesn't seem to be very there are a lot of elite guys at least at the wide receiver position in this draft there's some good twos and threes solid twos and threes for sure but there's really not a, unless you know unless the guy just you know pops or whatever that's always a possibility but as of right now there's really not a guy right now in this draft that's just like screaming number one xy receiver right now yeah hopkins if he comes available after the draft is going to be a hot commodity yeah do we really think that the ravens really have a shot at getting without trading 
for DeAndre. Do you really think the Ravens have a shot getting DeAndre? Um, I've heard a lot of things. You know, one thing I've seen over the past couple of days is that Arizona is so desperate to trade him and get something in return that they're willing to take on half his contract. Oh wow! For additional draft capital. So, I mean, in my mind, I'm looking at like you know that's two two thirds. You know, instead of a first, give give you know two third round picks. They'll take on eight million. So the Ravens would take on eight million if they did that, which they could do. Um, I read some scenarios. All they have to do is restructure Stanley and Humphrey, and they'll be able to clear plenty of space to pull, bring in Hopkins. Um, I think they have a higher chance of bringing him in if they trade for him than if they release him. Because if they release him, you're going to be battling New England. Um, you're going to be battling the Rams. Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be so many people in play because he's free game and you can get him at the right price. So their best shot at getting Hopkins is going to be through trade because mm-hmm. they can just, you know, they can give what the market is not trying to give right now. So I think that's the best option. And I mean, you bring in Hopkins in here with, with Odell and Bateman. I mean, that's, that's, that's serious. So, um, you know, I think it's a move to consider. I honestly do. Um, if it's if it's around that price and they're willing to take on half the contract, I think that's a move to definitely consider. Um, I know we still have to talk about Patrick Queen and signing the draft picks, but I think you have to. I think this is a must-win year if you bring Lamar back. This is we're in win-now mode, mm-hmm. so you have you have to you know, like like LeBron said, after them picks, you know, and do what you have to do to bring the guys in. Yeah, so uh, I was looking at the in pre pre June first. If they released him, um, they would have to have a debt. They would the Cardinals would have a dead cap of twenty two million. But if they uh, post June one, there's only a dead cap of eleven eleven million dollars. Um, so they end up saving nineteen million dollars on the cap. Um, they they actually don't really save more or less by releasing him or trading him. So. Yeah. But it looks like the save on the cap is going to happen after June 1st. So this is going to definitely be after the draft. Yeah. Um, I think for DeAndre, the prospect of playing with Lamar um, and playing with uh, Odell, um, I think has to be, Yeah, I think you're right. I think it has to, I think it's feasible. Now, look, I think the thing is too, um, you know, bringing Todd Munkin in, we saw what he did with Jarvis Landry and Odell in Cleveland. You know, when he was there, and that was at 2019, um, Jarvis and Odell both have a thousand, had a thousand yards. Yeah. Um, so, and Munkin clearly has said, you know, I'm going to work with the, you know, the talent that I have. Now, if you go in, you got Odell now, if you bring DeAndre, I, I like that. Like, if you, you're telling me that the Ravens could potentially have two wide receivers that's not Bateman and not Duvernay uh, have a thousand yards each oh man like I mean I mean on top of the rushing the running attack like I mean how do you like that that right there putting DeAndre Hopkins and Odell together with Lamar Jackson and the, with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards in the backfield and you still got Mark Andrews and you still got Isaiah Likely who started who came on at the end of last year um, like, I mean, I mean, it, it becomes like, you know, it, 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 guys start complaining because they got start getting the ball, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's just like, 
it's one of those good problems to have. But I think if you're the Ravens, you've got, like you said, you got to go for it here. Because again, you know, the, the top guys are talking about right now, I think in the draft are, uh, if we look at, you know, wide receivers, it's, I think the top guy right now is probably Quentin Johnson. Um, Johnson out of TCU, he's, he's 6'4", 215, but again, he played for TCU. I watched him in a championship game. He was kind of missing, you know? <laughs> they kind of shut him down in that game. Uh, again, they play in a conference where they don't play a lot of premier cornerback talent. It's kind of hard to see. Um, then there's the, uh, the interesting one, the guy that's been climbing up the boards recently has been Jackson Smith and Jimbo out of Ohio State. He was, I think, at one point in this mock draft stuff, like a second rounder. Like guys weren't even talking about him being a first round talent. And now all of a sudden he's been jumping up to possibly even a top 10 draft pick now. Because um, he remember, I think he sat out. I think was it he got hurt. He got hurt in the fall. And then he sat, I remember he sat out the bowl game. He sat out, that was not one of the ball, the um, playoff game. He sat out for Ohio State. Um, because he was looking at the draft. I think he was he was dealing with some leg issues, and he was like, look, I don't want to further mess up possibly my draft stock. Um, I really like him. I did just because just of the fact that the wide receivers we've seen, we've seen come out of Ohio State the last couple of years have been dynamic. Yeah. They've been good. All of them. Chris Olive or yeah. Olive. Yeah. They, they've been dynamic. And I think that um, – I, I yeah, I, and Terry McLaurin, you know, I, with Washington, I, I I think that if if Jackson is there at twenty two, if he slides, I think you got to take him there. If you don't, now I think I'll, I'll ask you this question: If they know, if the Ravens know that the Cardinals are not going to release DeAndre Hopkins until after June first, do you still go get maybe a wide receiver at pick twenty two? Do you still go get one? If they, oh, I but think if you they really have, have a legit shot of getting DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, he can he can decide at this point where he wants to go. Once they release him, he can choose where he wants to go. And I'm pretty sure Lamar and Odell be great recruit or great recruiters in getting DeAndre over there. Um, especially playing against that Brown secondary, against that Bengals secondary. <laughs> Uh, and the Steelers secondary. Like, I think, you know, both of those guys eat over there. But do you want to do those things where it's like, we we got to be, it's better, it's like, what is it? Better, is it, what is it? What's the saying? How does the saying go? Um, not be better, be prepared than be not prepared at all. It was something, I can't remember what the saying is. Um, It's something like being prepared for it to happen instead of letting 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 it happen and oh. doing it after the fact. I can't remember. Really. Uh, prepare for the worst, expect the best. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, do, do you think that that potentially, if at pick twenty two, if he's still there at twenty two, should they just pass on, or do you think they take it? Well, that's tough. That's tough because. Yeah, they, they said they're getting another wide receiver regardless. So it's either Hopkins or or the draft, you know. Um, I think that's what makes it interesting of the Ravens making a play prior to June 1st because, like, they have to make a decision because that's going to alter their entire draft class and how their whole draft strategy. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to make a decision before this. So with that being said, if they don't get DeAndre Hopkins before the draft, 
I think they draft a wide receiver. Okay. If they get him, they're going corner. I think it's that simple. I don't think they're going to play. They're going to play the chance because there's too much in play. Like if yeah. this rumor is truly true, what Lamar is saying, they have to make these moves ASAP, and they can't depend on him getting released. That's just not something they can depend on. There's too many people that want him if he's released. They just don't want him if he's traded. Yeah. Yeah, and then look, there's also the possibility too that he could end up staying staying in with the Cardinals and then we rework his deal or something and you know add more void years in there or something like that and mm-hmm. bring his cap number down. That's happened before. We we've seen that, but uh, I would have to assume that with the, the with all the crap that's going on in Arizona right now, I mean the was it the C, the CEO or president of the teams being a fraud or something like that, and then. Uh, Colin Murray's probably not. I don't even know if he's going to play this season. Um, yeah, it's, it's a whole mess down there. It's a whole, I don't think DeAndre wants to be there anymore. Um, so, you know, and there's also a possibility where if they don't trade him, but they're like, you know, we don't want to keep you, yeah, he could just sit out. Yeah. Like, I'm just not going to have to sit out until my contract's up. But you're right. I think now with without a second round draft pick, right? They only got, they got what, two thirds? I think they got a first, two thirds, four, five, six, seven. That's what they, that's what they got. Do you think? I haven't really heard now if they're if the Cardinals aren't getting what they want from him. But do you think there's a trade package that, that the Cardinals would accept from the Ravens before the draft before next week? I think they all right. So they got a first, a third, a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth. I think they'll take a third. I think a third and a fifth will get the deal done. Because there's not much leverage. Like, if the Cardinals want to get this deal done and get capital back, as opposed to savings, I think a third and a fifth could do it. Um, That'll make it tough on the Ravens. That means at 22, they're a trade-back candidate, maybe a multiple trade-back. I can see that happening. So, um, but I think a third and a fifth could get the deal done. I think, you know, it's a 30-year-old wide receiver coming off suspension and injuries. Was very productive though when he was playing. Oh, and best hands, like, best hands in football. Yeah, he was best like, seven hundred yards and seven hundred seventeen yards in nine games. The year before you know? he got suspended, didn't he like not drop a ball all season? Right. He didn't drop yeah. a single pass. Any pass that he actually put his hands on, he didn't drop it. Averaging like, seven catches a game too. Yeah. So, I mean, this guy is pro- pro- productive. Um, so, but I think with his age and everything and, and the leverage they have right now, I think a third and a fifth to get it done. Um, and then we have to, you know, start looking, being a trade back candidate um, for the rest of the draft. Yeah, I definitely think if, if they pull that off, I for sure think there's no way they, they stay at 22. There's no way. I feel like they are, they're definitely going to like, or we'll trade back into the second round. Yeah. What what will happen will probably do. They'll trade back to like 27, 28. And then once they get to like pick 26, they'll trade back again. Yeah. Um, and they'll they'll stack like they'll get like two, maybe two second round picks and then add them like a third or a fourth or something like that um, for teams that want to jump in there. Because uh, they said this, you know, this draft is very heavy um, when it comes to cornerback. And I think they said it's pretty heavy. Like I said, wide receiver as far as there's a lot of good twos and threes mm-hmm. in this draft, which I think bodes well for teams like Kansas City, bodes well for the Eagles, the Chargers, you know, teams that kind of the 49ers, teams that kind of already have the the the, the main pieces on their staff and it's kind of really want to stack depth. 
this is a good draft for that. Now, again, I don't, there's not much, you know, even the top guys in the draft, right? Like, I mean, so we've, we've talked about before, potentially the Ravens trading to get one of these quarterbacks, but it, came, it seems like as the days go by, the only one that seems to be like, everybody seems to be really, really high on is Bryce Young. That's it. Everybody else is like, they're like, I like CJ Stroud, but they're like, I don't think he's going to be, I think he's going to be maybe a better Justin Fields, but that's about it. That's what they said. And then they're like, with Anthony Richardson, they're like, he's literally could be, they're like, he could be another, like Deshaun Watson in, when he was in his prime, Deshaun Watson in his prime, or he could be Jamarcus Russell. Yeah. Like, that's what they said it could be with him, with Anthony Richardson. Like, he's got all the athletic, he's got all the, the tangibles, but when you when you only complete 50% of your passes in college, I mean, guys are literally running wide open. And you can only complete 50% of your passes in college? That's not a good look. That's not good. Um, and I, I mean, I watched a few games of him play. I know people, it's sad these fans sometimes, look. they look at the highlight reels, right, of these players. Oh, I want that guy. I'm like, no, you need to watch all the highlights. Don't just watch the good ones. Watch the all 22. You need to watch the bad ones too, because every player is going to have bad plays. But you need to see how bad they are. <laughs> yeah, you know, every player can have good and bad plays. But you got those bad ones better be like, you know, they just missed it here, or they missed it. They just they they did it. If they were like, you know, oh, the guy made a good play, that kind of thing, you know. But if he's over here throwing the ball 15 yards past the wide receivers or under throwing guys and taking sacks when he doesn't need to take sacks and you know not smart plays and no, no, that's. That's not good. Yeah, and it's so right now. And then Will Levis, you know, for whatever reason, I, everybody's comparing him to. I saw the comps on him saying he was the next uh, Jay Cutler. I'm like, that's not good. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, not a good Jay comparison. Jay Cutler had a big arm, but he was highly inaccurate. Yep. He couldn't throw the ball. <laughs> so, I mean, I was, right now they're saying, and they, the, here's the other interesting thing about this draft, though. They're talking about, now I think Bryce Young's going to go. They said it looks like he canceled all of his. Um, team interviews I think in the last week because it sounds like the Panthers are going to draft him at number one like it's a pretty much yeah. a done deal Panthers are drafting Bryce Young outside of that though they said the Texans may trade back they've been taking calls yeah they're not sold they're not they're the, again they're that should tell you everything you need to know about this this QB class you would think if this was a solid QB class all right, the QB is going to go one, two, three, four, something like that, or at least each in terms of the first five or first six picks. There's going to be these four quarter, three or four quarterbacks going to be gone. It doesn't seem like it's going to be like that in this draft. Like the the, the Texans are looking back, like you know, D'Amico Ryan's got what I think he signed what a six year deal as a head coach now at the, for the Texans. So he's he's got time to build the roster he wants to build. And Davis Mills right now I think is a serviceable quarterback for them right now um it could be a situation where they could like we're gonna tank for caleb williams next season (laughs) you know um but if you're looking at the draft right now like there's even even look jalen carter out of georgia will anderson they've been talking about as an edge rusher out of alabama everybody's been saying like yeah these guys are good but they're not jumping off the board like these guys are going to change the team around right like they'll be good pieces but if you're, if like, if you're sitting, if you're a, if you're a good team, and you're sitting here in the top ten, it will kind of behoove you to trade back to get just to get depth, you know, to add more pieces later on in the draft because they're saying 
there there's just as many good guys in the second third fourth and fifth rounds in this draft this year um and i think we've said it before when you're the ravens and teams like that but you're picking past i think fifth honestly when you're picking past 15 a lot of those guys are basically second round draft picks after that in my honest opinion like your top 15 players are generally regarded as these are your first round blue chip player talent they're gonna they're gonna pop right away day one these are gonna be your guys after that those guys can be like eh, they, they may get better as the season goes on you know you may start to see some flashes as the season goes on like we saw with Kyle Hamilton right first 10 weeks 12 12 weeks of the season we were trying to figure him out <laughs> you know we were trying to figure out what he was and then towards the end of the year I think he started figuring out his role and where he was supposed to be um now an interesting pick I think if he's there at 22 I would like the Ravens to see to take him I, Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State yeah um I just think you know he's got the pedigree we still remember, remember Joey Porter playing with Pittsburgh and with the Dolphins yeah. um he's got the pedigree I'm a Penn State fan so I, I've watched him all season um He's another press corner. He's a big corner, 6'2", 198, so he can add some more pounds. Um, he doesn't have burning speed, but again, he's strong. Um, he he doesn't allow guys to catch the ball. Like he's very physical with the wide receivers. And you think about if you have Marlon and him on the outside, it really doesn't really matter who's, who's the third cornerback at that point, if it's Brandon Stevens, if it's Jalen Armour Davis or Pepe Williams or whoever. At that point, um, if he's there, I'd like them to take him. I don't know if he's going to be um, another guy though that I like, and I'm pretty sure you. I'm pretty sure you like him too. Um, Deontay Banks out of Maryland. Oh yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I've seen he's him in person. I, I think Deontay Banks. Um, they're sliding him as like a 16th kind of prospect in this draft. But from what I saw from him, even when they played like played Penn State this year and stuff, like he's he's solid. He yeah. he is solid. And he's a guy that one of those guys that can slip in the draft. And it's gonna be like we've seen it before, right? We I think a lot of times people get caught up in where these guys get the prospects are, what they're listed, um, they're listed tenth overall and all this other stuff. But a lot of times it's based on position and based on team need. We've seen plenty of guys ranked in the top 10 of the draft class fall into day two. You know, top 15 fall into day two, day three. You know, for whatever reason, guys aren't sold on and stuff like that. And I think people are like, oh, he went to Maryland, you know, and then Maryland wasn't that good. And, you know, some, some GM's going to get caught up in the fact of where he went to school at Maryland. You know, at Maryland, you know, they were, they were decent this year, but they weren't great. You know, they were decent. Right. Um, but I think when you look at his measurables, again, he's like, again, I, Joey Porter Jr. and him and Deontay Banks, I think are interchangeable. To be, to yeah. be quite honest. I, I think they're quite, but I think with Deontay, he's fast. He's fourth. He got a four, three, like he mm -hmm. can chase. That's a guy that's, if you're, if you're the Ravens, that's who you need to cover Jamar Chase right there. That's who you need to cover Jamar Chase. If you're like Joey Porter Jr., that's who you're going to get the court to cover George Pickens. So I, I I I like those two guys right there. I think again they they've said the cornerback prospects in this draft are very deep. 
So it's, it's going to be interesting to see um, how they master this draft. Now, I'll, I'll ask you this question. I know it's not, again, the way they brought it out is not a very elite talent laden draft. But I think we've said it and some other people have said it, that this is possible. This probably is the biggest draft of EDC's career as, as GM for the Ravens. This is going to be that draft. And again, there's not a lot right now. It's like some guys could, there's going to be different guys that would be going to be better than where they got drafted for sure. But can, can the cost of find that, those guys, right? This is, I think this is that draft to find it. I think they've made some pretty good moves in the coaching staff offensively and defensively that if they scouted the right way and get the guys that they need at the positions they need, this could this draft could make or break the Ravens for the next few years. And I only say that because you're going to have potentially, like you said, Patrick Queen's going to probably get tra- – he might get traded on draft night. He may be one of those pieces where they trade him for a third-round pick or something or a fourth-round or something like that to get some extra picks later on in the draft. He could be gone. So you're going to need another inside linebacker. You still got to figure out cornerback. Um, you still got to figure out right tackle. You know, Morgan Moses isn't going to be the answer long-term. Um, you got guard position you got to fill. Um, you still got a guy, Jeff, wide receiver. You're, the Ravens the are going to have to draft pretty heavy on cornerback. Remember, we you remember... When they started the season, cornerback was probably like their biggest, their best position, depth-wise. Yeah. And then by the time we got to the middle of the season, they didn't have anybody. Yeah. Like, everybody got hurt. The only person that was left was Marlon. And luckily, Kyle Hamilton started stepping up towards the end. But, you know, Jalen Armour Davis and Pepe Williams kind of disappeared. And Jalen Armour Davis got hurt, you know, but he wasn't playing well. Brandon Stevens has been off and on, you know, since we drafted him. Um, he's good. Eric DeCosta is going to need to hit in this draft. Yeah, I think it's a it's it, it's a huge draft with limited resources. It's like if you could if you pull off the DeAndre trade, you know he'll get a pass because you do what you have to do to get wide receivers in here, right? Mm-hmm. Um. But the expectation is still going to be like, look, this is the gems. Trade back those gems. I've been thinking about something, you know, because I think one of our biggest losses is going to be Calais Campbell. Yeah, yeah. And I've been wondering, like, as we've been talking, like, and I want to pose this question to you before I go into the rest of it. If DeAndre and Jalen Carter slips down to 22. Are we still trading back or are we getting Jalen Carter? I think for what they need him to do, I think that's a solid pick at 22. Because if you're asking him to be your edge rusher, I don't think that's it. Like it's there have apparently the pundits and stuff have been saying like He's a he's a good edge rusher, but he's not great, and no one really knows he's gonna be great, you know. But he's a three down, like almost perfect run defender, 
and that's what Calais Campbell brought to the Ravens. We saw what la- the last two years when when Campbell got hurt in like week five or week six of the last two seasons, we couldn't stop nothing on the run defense on that side for whatever reason. Calais Campbell was that anchor on that on that defensive line for stopping the run. When he was out, we couldn't stop nothing, right. nothing. But when he was out there, that Ravens pat that Ravens run defense was elite. So yeah, you're right. Clay, I think Calais Campbell, while he's what 36 years old, and shoot, he's my age. Right? <laughs> um, losing him was big because of you know you're you're going to be still in the division with Najee Harris, with Kareem Hunt, with uh, Nick Chubb, like and Joe Mixon, you know, pending his case that he's got coming up. Um, but you're still going to face premier running backs in your own division. And, you know, everybody in the North, we like to run the football. That's going to be key. And yeah. for what I think for what he would do on the Ravens, yes, because you still got, you got a job you know, he only played the one to two games, but I think we like what we saw uh, from him uh, in those, and I think the last game of the season and then the playoff game, uh, we like what we saw from him. And you're hoping that allows, you know, oh wait, like well, oh wait doesn't have any more chances now. This is it, you know. <laughs> if he's gonna be something, this is this is gonna be it. This is the year, yeah. This is the year for him. Um to bring, you know, to do that. Now, if you know they still decide if Nolan is still there and they decide to trade back, I'll pose this question to you before you go on. Would you be fine with bringing Jadevian Clowney in here? By all means, yes. Play that role. By all means, I think he—he's—he has the size to play that role. Uh, I think he'd be a great fit. I mean, there's one thing that we know he excels at, and that's the run defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's an alternative. You know, if we trade back out of that, um, I think if we want to solve that run defense and have somebody solid in there, have him put his hand in the ground. He—he he has the size, he has the ability, he has the strength. Yeah. Anchor that. Um, I think that's a solid pick. I think the Ravens really just the thing for EDC is going understanding what our needs are and hitting those. This isn't a best player available draft. Yeah, this yeah. we're in win now. Plug these holes and let's go win a Super Bowl because you know we're two years away. Have a bunch of cap casualties. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. That's where I look at it for him. And that's where I, I am, too. It's like, you know, we, we can't go through another season of uh, another, another position I think they need to address is right tackle. Um, yeah. They can't yeah. keep going through this. I got I understand what they did with Ronnie Stanley and they were rotating guys and bring him back slowly, bring him back on. I, I understand that. But they were doing the same thing on the right side. And because they did, they didn't know. Maria Moses would have good games. He would have bad games. Um, and they were rotating Falele in there, and they would fit Macari in there, and you know, Morgan Moses would come back. Like it was, there was a platoon assignment at right tackle. And I feel like when you're the offensive line needs to be the same five guys every week, barring injury, it's the same five guys every week. Like plain and simple. Now, they might spell them a few times during a game or different situations, like doing heavy sets and things like that. I get that. But 
they can't keep going through this platoon kind of stuff during the season. Yeah. Like you said, I think they need to go in and plug those holes. Like like you said, not not the best player available. We need a right tackle. Okay, let's go get this guy. We need a run defender on the right side. Let's go get this guy. <laughs> like, that's what they need. And I think they like said there's plenty of talent for guys in this draft. Like I said, what made Ozzie Newsome so good is been it wasn't the fact that he drafted well in the first round, is what he did on day two and day three. That's where that's where Ozzie Newsome made his money because he was able to find those guys, those day two, day three guys that fell to this third round, fourth round, fifth round, that were with injury issues, the team they played for, the talent they played against, whatever may have been going against them. And they came to the Ravens and they popped, right? Because they made them play the role that they were designed to play. They didn't ask right. them to do too much. Those Ravens teams were like, no, you're going to play this position. This is what we want you to do. I know you're you're being drafted as like Nolan Smith. You're being drafted. You're being propped up as an edge rusher. And everybody wants you to be an edge rusher. But I think as a GM and as, you know, when you're coming into the NFL, you find out like you're not really an elite. And you were, you were like that in college. But the NFL, you can either. I'm pretty sure there's conversations you have with those kind of players, right? If they've been playing that kind of that position since high school, you know, prep school, AAU, and all that other stuff, but then you get to the NFL and tell them, yeah, you're actually going to be playing more of this kind of role. So it can be a little jarring for them, but it's yeah. more of those things. Like, I'm pretty sure Ozzie Newsom, because he was because he was a former player, probably told guys like, look, you can be a decent edge rusher, or you can be an excellent run defender. All right. You're gonna. I'm pretty sure you tell them, you're gonna play longer in this league. If you choose to be an excellent run defender, you may not get all the sacks. You may not get 15, 20 sacks a season. And it's not going to be glorious and stuff like that. But guess what? You'll be able to play for 15 years. You'll be able to get good contracts. Like, and and plus, because of the division we play in, there's going to be a lot more spotlight on you because of the talent you're playing, you're, you're, you're trying to stop. Yeah. You know, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon. Like, those guys are top 10 running backs in the NFL and you're going to be playing against them week in and week out you're going to make your money man whether it be from us or somebody else you're going to be able to get your money so I think that's the key is also telling these guys when they get drafted hey you're going to play this spot this is what we this is what we need you to do we don't need you to do anything more than that just play this role and I think that's what what helped Kyle Hamilton this past season they didn't ask Kyle Hamilton to do too much right once he got comfortable with the speed of the game and everything else, we started to see him make plays. Yeah. When he was comfortable in his spot, in his role, knowing what he was supposed to do, he felt he was more comfortable making those plays, fourth and fumbles, uh, making plays on the ball, things like that. So you're right. I think that EDC, and I'm pretty sure Ozzy's involved as well, <laughs> making sure when they draft these guys, like, don't draft another right guard. You got a right guard already, <laughs> you know? Don't draft another center. We want best player available. No, don't draft another tight end. Don't draft another running back. We need, there's certain positions we need filled. Because as we've, I'm pretty sure there's going to be some cuts again, you know, what, uh, post June 1, there's going to be mm-hmm. some more, another round of cap casualties 
they're going to hit the market. But like you said, you can't you can't hope on that, right? You can't be like, oh, I hope this guy gets cut, or I hope he's going to be available pre post Gen One. If you're if that's what you're hoping, you're going to be stuck, right? And now you don't have any, you don't you don't you know, you're sitting here trying to call guys who are you know retired and whatnot trying to come come play for your team. Yep. And so we have to we have to be smart we have to be aggressive like we have to make moves make strategic moves and we can't bank on potential you know i think the one thing that really has played ed over these past drafts is he goes for these big swings at potential mm-hmm. like what was his name big country uh what was his name ben cleveland, ben cleveland? yeah ben mason all the bends like <laughs> <laughs> these potential things you can make happen but we're at a place where we need short things we need we need more uh lender bonds you know we need gems in in those ranges because we're in win now mode we can't yeah. bank on somebody being something we can't bank you know we have to <laughs> bank on solid. right right no and, and you're right about it I means look falafel is going to be I mean, he may be, he may end up at his best, maybe another Patrick McCarry, right? Like he'll be a spell kind of tackle or guard, wherever they need him to play on the line. That's kind of going to be, it may be into being his role going forward. Um, but, you know, like you're right. You, you can't wait until the sixth and seventh round to draft your right tackle. Like that's probably going to need to happen. You know, if you, if you, if the, the, the mode is, let's say they trade for DeAndre Hopkins before the draft, they get DeAndre's and now, the mode is all right. Let's trade back into the second round and get some more picks for day two. Um, so that way we can go get a right tackle, go get cornerbacks, go get um, uh, an edge rusher. I mean, an edge rusher, but a, a run defender on that right side. Because um, I mean, you got like I, I heard some people say that oh, the Ravens should go get. I think it's um, a defensive tackle. Um, what's his name? Wilson, no. It's another defensive tackle they said the Ravens should be getting. I'm like, you already got Matt Abike, you got Broderick Washington already, you got Travis Jones. Like, where is he gonna fit in the where's he gonna fit the depth chart? He's not gonna play. And I'm like, when you could have spent that pick on a guy that can play right now. Yeah. Right? And that's what you right, that's exactly what you said. Like the Ravens need a guy that can play right now. Like when they get out on week one. He needs to be on the line, defense or offense, right tackle, if they draft one, and then that run defender. They need him there with that day one. Yeah. To play. Look, you're right. The Ravens have. Go ahead. I was going to say, we have three all pro defenders in their prime right now Mm -hmm. Marlon Humphrey and. uh, Gosh, I'm not forgetting his day, right? Roquan Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Three all-pro guys in their prime. We can't waste that by getting experiments. We need to. We can't waste this defense. So, with that being said, we holes on defense and offense, and take this team to the Super Bowl. Two years. This is a two-year window to make yeah. the first Super Bowl. Because yeah, you got to think right. You know, if you bring Lamar back, I would assume the contract would be no more than if they sign. It'd probably be a three-year deal. I would say at this point would be safe a three-year deal so you're right two years 
and Lamar would have to decide if he wants to remain here or not. If not, then you kind of have to move on and start over. And then Marlon becomes, probably becomes a free agent. And, you know, Roquan is, what, two years into his five-year contract. May have to start thinking about restructuring his deal. Um, Marcus Williams, he signed, what, a four-year deal here. Um, so he could be potentially looking on his way. I so like, you're right. You, they, the Ravens got this year in 2024 to get this done. Yeah. And I think this is the draft where it would be smart for EDC. Like I said, depending on what happens in the next seven days, you know, if if they don't get DeAndre, it makes things a little bit more complicated about what they want to do at 22. Um, because, you know, how the Ravens like to stack picks, and I think the Ravens definitely want a second-round pick. I think they definitely want a second-round pick. I don't think they want to miss the second round at all. Um, but that's where, you know, Patrick Queen potentially comes into play. Where a team that's like a good team, that maybe just needs a solid middle linebacker or a good blitzing linebacker. The potential like, oh, you know, and then you go into day two and you're looking at the board and you're looking at these linebackers like, yeah, these guys are, you know, they're decent, but, you know, they're more like special teamers and, you know, they'll, they'll be good run defenders, but, you know, we need a guy that can get to the quarterback. And Patrick Queen showed you the last two years when he's been able to not be the, the Mike linebacker. He can, he can do it. He can play. He can blitz the quarterback and pass rush. He's really good. Uh, so yeah. I think that's that's working in favor for the Ravens, especially uh, if they want to potentially get their, find their way back into the second round. Um, but, um, yeah. Um, I guess we'll touch on the NBA real quick. I know you're oh. a Lakers fan, right? You're a Lakers fan? Yeah, that hard. That hard. <laughs> how did you feel? How did you feel about Dylan Brooks's comments last night? <laughs> um, calling LeBron old and... It, it felt like a wrestling promo. It, that's yeah. What it felt. <laughs> Dylan's Dylan Brooks is like, all right. He had a great game last night, but he overrated the talk himself up players I've ever seen. He reminds me of Lance Stevenson. Yeah, yeah. Lance Stevenson. But you know, he's a guy you love to beat. And I'm hoping LeBron takes it to heart. Like, I want a third game, the next game, because you can't let, let a guy like that just get his stuff off. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They hit the the, uh, the go-ahead three that basically ended that thing for them. Um, but, yeah, that guy's a clown. But, you know, love to play against. Um, I think it's funny looking at... Um... And looking at Memphis, and they've been talking all year, right? They've been doing this all, all season, year. and they haven't won. They haven't won anything. They haven't won anything, but they, they talk a lot. Um, it's weird though how well the Grizzlies seem to play when Jaws hurt. When Jaws not on the floor, I, I'm not gonna say they play better, but they just—I don't know—they just seem to. It's weird, right? They're better it's, offensively. Yeah. I think Jaws a lot of times takes too many risks. Like, I, I, I like the way Jaws plays to an extent. It's kind of like Bryce Harper in baseball when he played with the Nationals. Um, everybody loved the way he played, but a lot of coaches and managers were like, he plays a little too hard sometimes. He gets himself hurt. He gets himself hurt too much. And we saw that, I think, that game one where he goes in the middle trying to make a play and he lands awkwardly on his hand. Um, and then he's out for the rest of the game. And 
I think too many times, sometimes players that play hard like that, like, you know, Russell Westbrook earlier in his career, um, will go too hard sometimes and they get themselves hurt. Um, and it makes it difficult because now the team that you're playing defense against knows, knows what you're going to do. They know oh, he's driving. You know he's going to drive to the hole every single time instead of popping mm-hmm. up in the, the jump shot or whatever. He's going to the hole. So we're just going to we're going to knock him down. We're going to put our body on him or whatever and put him on the ground. And it seems like there can when he's not on the court, they can run their offense more. I think that Ja does a lot more freelance stuff more often yeah. than not because he is the star, because he knows he's a star. And sometimes you know, in playoff basketball, you gotta. It's in the regular season you can do that, but I think in the playoffs it's definitely more about that system. You gotta run the yeah. system. Yeah, the ball slows down, and I think you know if I can compare, and I'm not comparing them as far as like level of ability, mm-hmm. but style. It's like if you take those San Antonio Spurs and you put Allen Iverson on those Spurs. Yeah, they're gonna be really good but they're better without it because the teams are built to move the ball. Yes. The Grizzlies, sorry, is outside of, out of John Morant and Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. Like that team works more efficiently when they're able to move the ball, kick it, swing it, shoot threes, um, feed off each other. Tyus Jones would be a starting point guard for any other team in the league. Mm-hmm. Pick and roll. I just think they're built to move the ball but with Ja, that doesn't happen because yeah. Ja hasn't had those touches. He has, and so that takes away from what they do best, which is move the ball. So do you? So <laughs> I'm assuming Ja will be back for Game Three. Do you, you think the Lakers take the series? I think Lakers will take the series. I think they totally lost last night. Did one of his ever so often disappearing acts. I think LeBron is going to light a fire under AD. AD is going to come back with a strong, aggressive game. And that's what it's going to come down to because, you know, throughout the game, you're just waiting for the, like, switch to go off with the Lakers. Like, they sleepwalked through the first half. They turned it up a little bit. It was just too late. And you just saw AD being passive. Like, I don't think Jaron Jackson can guard AD. But AD just lulled the post, tripping over his own feet, being loosey-goosey with the ball. Um, LeBron taking threes that he shouldn't be taking. So I think the Lakers take the series. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna go six games, um, possibly seven. But I think the Lakers take it. Um, the the potential matchup coming. The the matchup I think everybody wants to see, the Kings and possibly the Lakers. Um, yeah. The Kings have been the darlings of the season because of how well they played and. Um, you know they they're two and zero on the Warriors right now. Um, you think they possibly get the, get the Lakers some problems if they get to that they get to that the conference semifinals? Absolutely. Um, and I would have said before this series because I I've, I've watched the Kings from afar, but in the playoffs I've actually really watched them. Mm-hmm. That team's legit. That yeah. they have so many guards that play great defense. And they could throw at you. Like, Davion Mitchell is a stopper coming off the bench. Um, I think they have a lot of wings, a lot of two-way wings. They got Harrison Barnes. I think, you know, their only weakness is uh, they don't have a rim stopper, a rim protector, mm-hmm. um, because uh, DeMontis is anybody can score on them, even us. So, <laughs> um, I think that's their only weakness. But I think they score. They score a lot. They score fast. 
and you know one through four they play solid defense I think they would definitely get the Lakers problems I think AD could get his all day as DeMontes Sabonis but I, I don't think the Lakers can shoot the ball consistently well enough to keep up with the Kings offensively um I think the West definitely has the best, better matchups, I think, of the, of the playoffs right now. Right now, out of the East, it, it looks like it's the Celtics to lose. Right? Celtics and Celtics, it's still going to be the Celtics and the 76ers. Well, no, no, it's the Celtics that play the 76ers to get to the conference semifinals. Whoever wins between in that series is going to get to the finals. That's just, at this point, the, the Hawks are, it's, it's very clear that I think that no one wants to play with, um, What's his name with the hairline? Trey Young. Trey Young. <laughs> no one. Everybody's been saying. I think even you said it. Uh, that he's like a, he's just like a he's he's a malcontent. Like he's no one wants to play with that dude. Like he's just not a good team player. And the Hawks have they, they haven't gotten better. Like they've been they they've been a playoff team, but this is where they're at. They lose in the first round. They play. They'll win one game probably, and that'll be it. They'll go home. Um, the 76ers this is make or break for them Giannis is hurt right now um, I don't know for how long it's, it'll be interesting to see if that series even goes 6 or 7 games uh, with the Bucks and the Heat but with the 76ers if they can get past the Celtics we, we've talked about was the process for the 76ers for 5 years now yeah. this is it for them this is it. This year, they gotta do it. This year, everything is kind of everything is kind of blending is going the way they want it to. If Giannis is out for an extensive extended period of time, it's theirs to lose, in my opinion. Yeah. Theirs to lose, at least on the east side. Now, it's like depending on the, the west, the west can get the west may get to a point where they beat each other beat each other up so much. Where the especially once they get to the conference semifinals and they play seven games and then play seven games in the conference finals, they just may be so tired by the time they get to the finals uh, that the, the the Sixers could just walk right through it. Um, it's theirs to lose, right? Yeah, now. And it's probably gonna win MVP this year. Um, this is this is it for them, for sure in the East. I think. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, and you know, as we're talking about it, they're up by 11 points on the Nets. Um, I don't think the only team that can that will give them problems is the Celtics. Yeah. Um, I think the Bucks are done, and the reason I say they're done is even if Giannis comes back, that's a back injury on a big. Yeah. Man. yeah. He's not going to be right the rest of the playoffs, so I don't think they'll be able to make it all the way through. But I think. You know, if the Sixers keep up this pace, I think the thing that's really encouraging for them is Tyrese Maxey. If Tyrese Maxey keeps playing at this level, um, I think they could go all the way because I think he's the X factor for them. Like Tobias Harris is going to give you—he's he's, a—he's a solid role player. PJ Tucker's a solid role player. Harden is going to give you what he gives you. Um, Jaden McDaniel's um, off the bench is pretty solid. Same with Melton. But Tyrese Maxey is a guy that can on any night give you 30 plus yeah if he puts his mind to it he gives you 30 plus efficiently any night can shoot the three can drive can make plays can get steals i think that is the x factor if he can play at a high level throughout these playoffs the 76ers can make it to the finals 
Now, the series I've been like I've been watching just because I think it's going to be probably one of the best ones of the first round. The Cavs and the Knicks. Um, yes. They literally went back to like the Knicks, Jalen Brunson, um, and Donovan Mitchell. We were going just going at it at one point. Like they were going bucket for bucket. Um, Brunson, like he reminds me of like those old school like point guards. Charleston. Like he can, he can, he can go if he wants to go get that, let get that bucket in the in the layup. He can go get it. Like he just knows how to go get it. Um, and then Donovan Mitchell. I mean, he, I mean, he scored like thirty one. I think even in the loss, he was going off. Um, but the thing with the Cavaliers is that they are another young team. It's just uh-huh. a matter of them showing up. They showed up in game two. You know, they shot the Knicks off the court, but. I think for the Knicks taking a game, you know, as Shaq said a while ago, this it's not really a playoff series until you win an away game. Yeah. You know, the Knicks got that in game one. They got that game out of the way. Um, so going back to New York, I'm pretty sure that that crowd's going to be amped up because um, it's, it's been really good basketball between the two. So it'll be interesting to see who, who, who gets this rubber game, game three, and kind of takes control of this series. But that's been so far my favorite series to watch right now. The Knicks and the Cavs. Yeah, no, that series has been awesome. Donovan, Donovan Mitchell's playing out of his mind. Um, I think the key for the Cavs is going to be Evan Mobley stepping up. Yeah, Mo- Mobley went off in that game, game too. He finally showed up, <laughs> but he's yeah. going to need to do that every every night now. Every night, that. every night, because he's he's been having some inconsistency issues the, yeah. the latter half of the season. Um, but if Evan Mobley gives you, you know, if he can stretch the floor for you and be that rim protector for you, along with Jared Allen. I mean, having two big men that can move and protect the rim like they have, that's a necessity in the playoffs, especially when the game becomes more of a half-court game than anything. Yeah. So, I like the Cavs. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm excited to see, hopefully, the Kings and the Lakers meet up in that conversation finals. Everybody, I think everybody wants to see that. Um, see that matchup for sure. And then, uh, you know, the Knicks. I, want, I think the yeah, 76ers and the Celtics. In that conference semifinals matchup, I think would be really good. Um, yeah. So, um, before we get out of here, any uh, any comments or anything you want to say before we leave? Yes. Um, rest in peace to Snowfall. Great <laughs> series. <laughs> great series. One of the six seasons. Great, great writing. Um, and I know a lot of people listen to it. A lot of people that probably listen to this may watch uh, Snowfall. Um, but uh, great series. Sad that it had to end. But um, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. Yeah, I, I need to. I need to watch because I, I didn't really get on to. I, I, I said I was gonna watch it. Um, then I think Power was on it's right around the same time when it got started. So I was yeah. watching Power. So, but now that it's like it's over, I'm like, all right, I can actually just watch the season. I can watch the whole series all the way through. So I can watch it. I got through some other stuff, some other series I had. You know, knock off my playlist first, so now I can focus on Snowfall. But um, I just finished. I don't know if you had a chance. Did you watch the Wu Tang series on Hulu? I'm at the end of season one, okay. so I gotta get to season two. But I'll, yeah, I'm season one still. Season two was was good in the sense that um, they did for like the I guess for the key songs on different albums, they did like short movies for those. Songs. Oh wow. Yeah, it was it was kind of dope. I, I, those are my favorite episodes. Those were those were kind of dope when they did like the different short movies for like the different um, 
the songs and the different like the albums that they had they came out with um so that was really good nice i can't wait to get there then yeah it's 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 it's, it's good but anyway that's it from us uh you know uh, we'll probably definitely do a show uh, after the draft and see what the ravens did you know hopefully again plug those holes hashtag plug those holes for this team again, this is a lot of work they got to get done. It's still not over yet. You still haven't signed Lamar yet. Um, it's a long way until it's a long, it's a long way, and yet it's a short way till July. Yeah, it seems far away, but we'll be here before you know. So, thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll catch you uh, next week after the draft. Peace, peace. Thank you.